0: Do you ever feel overwhelmed by the ever-changing world of technology? Tech It Out can help make some sense of it all. Breaking down geek speak into street speak, technology columnist, author, and TV personality Mark Saltzman covers consumer technology each week for every listener. Mark tackles the latest news, reviews, and how-tos to help you understand what's hot, what's not, and why.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Tech It Out. This is episode 334. Tech It Out is your weekly guide to what's trending in tech, but all in a language you can understand. It was a busy week in tech with the AT&T outage, leaving tens of thousands without the ability to call or send a text, and that includes not being able to call 911 as well. Glad that was ironed out. Also this week, we saw what the Sora generative AI engine can do by you just typing out a few words from the same folks who brought us ChatGPT. You have to see it for yourself, though. Google the word Sora, that's S-O-R-A, to see the videos that you can create by simply typing out a few words in the prompt. It's mind-boggling. And hey, we have a great Tech It Out planned for you this hour as well. We'll kick things off in a moment with a new approach to curing food allergies. Also, we'll talk about how to avoid getting scammed by those robocalls. Cadillac will join me from the latest auto show. We'll hear what's new with its all-electric Escalade and Lyric. And finally, Google is with us to talk about its groundbreaking new generative AI tool that's free to use called Google Gemini, formerly known as Google Bard. And we'll hear examples of how you can use this. And again, the core functionality is free. All of this and more on an all-new Tech It Out powered by Intel Core Ultra, which powers many of today's PCs. We'll get to that shortly, but let's officially kick off this week's show with our first interview. Chances are someone in your family has an adverse food allergy perhaps one that can result in an anaphylactic shock, which in some instances can even lead to death. Well, aside from avoidance and carrying around an EpiPen, what else can you do? Well, we're now going to hear about the first medical tech company to use AI, artificial intelligence, to diagnose and treat food allergies, including a new tolerance induction program to help those with food allergies. We're joined by Dr. Inderpal Randawa. He is with the Food Allergy Institute. Thanks for your time, doctor. Good to chat with you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, Mark. Happy to be here.
1: Before we talk about the solution, let's identify the problem. How prevalent are food allergies today, or at least potentially fatal ones? Interestingly, I find that the issue is getting worse than it was when I was younger. I mean, I used to be able to bring peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to school, but I don't think you can do that anymore.
2: No, you're absolutely right. Uh, The problem is getting worse. You have roughly about One in 10 children in this country have a serious food allergy. You have, roughly speaking, about 35 million adults who have severe food allergies. And unfortunately, this lands people in the emergency department roughly every one to two minutes and does result in very serious events. We're talking near-fatal events, if not fatal events, about 40 to 50 of those a month in this country. And it's, again, a real serious problem.
1: And to what do you attribute this? I mean, why do you think allergies are worse today? Any, any thoughts on that? I mean, two of my three kids carry EpiPens, and I've oh, wow. researched this, and I, I can't find an answer. Is there a leading theory as to why it's worse in, in the 21st century than it was, say, 40 years ago?
2: Sure. I'd say, you know, generally when you're looking at a problem like this, and it's increasing in incidence over time, it's either genetic or it's a disease that's being transmitted between people. And if it's not one of those two things, it ends up being environmental. Everything we've seen so far points to this being an environmental problem. And what that means is many of the things that people are anaphylactic to, peanuts, tree nuts, things of that nature, have biosimilar proteins in the ambient environment. So think about pollen, think about things that are in the air. And as climate change it continues to get worse, we've had a global increase in pollen counts. Everywhere where there are more people, there's more pollen. And this has resulted, I believe, in a direct link why food
1: allergies have gotten worse. So let's talk about your work, Doctor. What does the Food Allergy Institute do exactly?
2: Well, the Food Allergy Institute has been well established now. My work directly is uh, about two decades old, uh, but we established the Food Allergy Institute in 2015, and it has treated over 15,000 patients with food anaphylaxis, taking them from a point of having this disease state where they have to carry around EpiPens to a point where they have remission, where they can consume those foods openly and easily without a risk of reaction. That is all purely built on technology. This is very much machine learning, AI, full-stack builds starting in about 2008. And it's been uh, really my life's work. And this has allowed us to take the immune systems of individuals and build proper databases. It allows us to study these actual foods that one can be allergic to, peanuts, tree nuts, et cetera. And we've been able to build databases of the actual protein sequences and the immune systems of these individuals and use that data to not only give them a proper diagnosis, but forecast them into the future to a point of treatment and remission. Wow.
1: Okay. I'm going to ask you more about that AI in a minute. This is a tech show after all, but at a high level, a tolerance induction program or TIP, is this similar to, I guess, like exposure therapy where you slowly introduce the culprit In this case, the allergen, like a tree nut, slowly over time in order to build up a tolerance? Is that in a nutshell, pardon the pun, is that how it works?
2: Yeah, actually, I'd say it's vastly different. So, my background is that of a transplant immunologist. Um, You know, that's like doing organ transplants and lung transplants, things of that nature. Okay. I applied that approach to this approach of the tolerance induction program. About two decades ago, the concept of desensitizing somebody has been around for 150 years. We do it for things like you know, allergens in the air. We do that with allergy shots and things of that nature. But every time that's been attempted, this exposure desensitization therapy for foods in the last 60 years, it's never been able to accomplish two things. One is it doesn't apply broadly to all the patients who have really bad food allergies. A very small percentage of those patients can even try it. And the ones who do, they never get to a point where they can actually fully consume the foods. So it tells you the complexity of the problem that is there. And that's that's where really the AI side of things came in to solve the problem.
1: So do you mind clarifying then what the tolerance induction program is all about?
2: Absolutely. So what we do is we actually cross-match biosimilar proteins. And I'll just give you an example, if I may you take somebody who's anaphylactic to peanuts, we have sequenced all of the major protein sequences of peanut, about 17 of them. We know what type of testing is necessary to measure the immune response to those 17 parts of peanut. We then identified their biosimilar proteins in totally different types of plants. So for example, it might be a seed like pumpkin seed, or it might be a legume like chickpeas. And we will then actually, based on an individual patient's analytics, expose the patient to those foods, so actually those biosimilar proteins. We will do that for a series of months, and before we ever give them peanuts, we've cross-matched and down-regulated the immune system, so that person who has a peanut value that's very high is now dropping their peanut value by 50 or 70% before we ever start to actually give them peanuts. And at the end of that, we can actually give that patient roughly 3 fourths of a cup of peanuts without any clinical symptoms.
1: Oh, wow. We are chatting with Dr. Inderpal Rendawa. He is with the Food Allergy Institute, and they're leveraging artificial intelligence to diagnose and treat adverse food allergies. You're based in Long Beach, California? That's correct. So again, this is a tech show, so I just want to ask you a little bit more about the AI. So your company is being billed as the first to use machine learning, which is a subset of artificial intelligence, to help your patients. Can you break it down for us in plain English?
2: Absolutely. So everything comes down to data science and data sets. And, you know, if there's one sector that has a lot of it, it's it's healthcare and medicine. Unfortunately, most of medicine doesn't operate around the concept of building data sets around a single disease. That's where I started when I tried to solve this problem. So we first built the data sets, uh, which have to be built, as you know, very well in a very clean and longitudinal fashion. This started back in 2005. We built these very, very large databases across plant proteins, animal proteins, and immune system, the immune system proteins of an individual person. We then had to continue to collect that data over time. By 2011, we were in a good position. We had treated about about 1,000 patients, and we had, roughly speaking, about uh, 50 to 75 million data points, let's put it that way, where we could actually start to build our first machine learning systems. Fast forward to where we are today, where we've again treated over 15,000 patients. This now machine learning system is built into three different AI systems. These AI systems are controlled by human operators, but what they do is allow us to draw the blood of a patient, run those hundreds of biomarkers into our AI system. We'll give the patient a proper diagnosis and then actually forecast how many cycles of treatment they need. To get to a point of remission, and an example I give to somebody is: imagine if you went to a doctor and said, "Well, I have something simple like high blood pressure. I would like to know when I would actually be in full control of that blood pressure with 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 which combination of treatment or medication." That doesn't exist today, but we've taken a very complex disease and is a, have accomplished that successfully uh, with about fifteen thousand patients. now.
1: And what uh, percentage is your success rate among those fifteen thousand patients?
2: We're, it's well over 99%. Wow. And that's a. It's a great example of what AI can do in
1: healthcare if it's built right. So with that in mind, what's next for you and the Food Allergy Institute with this program?
2: You know, our our number one goal is to get this treatment out there to the patients. Uh, We have many, many patients who fly from other states and other countries to see us. We are expanding at the end of this year into the San Francisco Bay Area and beyond. That's our first goal, but I'm most excited about our second goal, which is to, now that we understand what tolerance induction is and all the AI that gets us to that point, we are looking at at actually getting to a point where we can remove the need to carry an EpiPen, essentially a curative state. So we want to go from remission to a curative state. And I'm absolutely excited about that.
1: Very exciting news. You know, this is a fascinating topic. Thank you for taking the time to break it down for us. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Intel Core Ultra processors represent the largest shift in Intel's CPU design in more than 40 years, adding generative AI capabilities to the laptop itself. This makes accessing your data more personalized, faster, and more secure than leveraging the cloud. Head on over to intel.com slash Core Ultra to see the latest crop of AI PCs. Intel.com slash Core Ultra. When we return on the program, we're going to learn how to fight back against those annoying robocalls. Stick with us. We'll be right back.
0: Listen to Check It Out whenever you want. Find the Check It Out podcast at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Tech It Out. A couple weeks back, we had Truecaller on this program talking with us about those annoying robocalls. In some cases, they're not just a spammed call, but they're a scam call trying to defraud you. And so I wanted to spend a few more minutes on tips to fighting back against these fraudsters. Back on Tech It Out is Clayton Broughton. He's Senior Strategic Advisor at Truecaller, one of the most popular apps that can stop unwanted calls to your mobile phone. Thanks for your time once again, Clayton. Let's continue where we last left off. How has artificial intelligence or AI made things worse for us on the receiving end of these calls?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. Highly topical. I mean, obviously, last week in New Hampshire, there was somebody who had spoofed and synthesized Biden's voice telling voters not to show up. So kind of a voter suppression type thing. So, but it's more than just voice synthesis. So number one, one of the biggest problems is that using AI and ML.
1: And ML, of course, is machine learning. It's a form of AI or artificial intelligence. Yeah, the bad guys can
3: scrape all kinds of of information from social media that we share freely, and they can build target groups right so they can build target segments to say oh you graduated from this college or you drive this kind of car or you you know you like this sports team they can be very very targeted additionally in bygone days right the the robocallers if they weren't really robocallers they were humans they would often have an accent or they would the script would be broken english whether it was a voice or text and you'd see it come through and say yeah this doesn't looks really squirrely because everything is misspelled well guess what we're in the age of generative AI. So now you can have legitimate sounding voices with really good scripts that are yeah. targeted and contextually relevant to you. That's weaponization.
1: Yeah. And there's also these scams that we've heard about, Clayton, of employees who are getting voice calls from what sounds like their boss telling them to wire money to this supplier or this you know partner here and there. And it's fraudulent. It sounds legit because it's AI. It sounds like their exact boss. They're, they're using like just a couple of seconds of their real voice in order to generate this script. It's pretty scary.
3: It's really scary, so think about what goes into that. I only now need to sample your voice for about nine or 10 seconds before I can start synthesizing messages that has Mark Saltzman saying just about anything I want him to. Now, that's part of it. Now, the other piece of it is somebody's probably gone into LinkedIn or a similar platform and saying, what's the hierarchy? Oh, Mark reports to Clayton. So let's go after Mark with Clayton's voice. So there's all this technology that goes into these spear phishing. You know, I think we'll see a lot more spear phishing scams than what we used to see were just these kind of shotgun approaches to just grabbing as much as you could in a number scam.
1: All right. I think it would be remiss not to ask you about tips to reduce the odds of these scammed and spammed calls that we're getting and robocalls obviously true caller is one part of the solution what else can we do shy of not picking up the phone ever
3: well, that's, and that's, that is the shame is that we drive this behavioral change where people miss really important stuff. So first of all, you should be on the do not call list in the U S right. And the do the, the FTC
1: runs a do not call list and you should absolutely subscribe to that. Does that really work though? I've got questions about that. I know it's an official government list and all that, but I don't know if it really does anything really.
3: So here's what I'll tell you. It, what it does is it, it, it does reduce pe- for people who obey the law. It will reduce the volume of the robocalls. Okay. If you're criminal. They don't care. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not going to stop criminals from doing it, but it will reduce solicitations. Okay. Good because to know. there's laws about that. So I think that's that's why i look at that. Thank you. The other thing I would say is that um, if it's an unknown number and you don't have true caller, then let it go to voicemail. Right. The problem with that is that it could be something important and you missed it because you didn't have true caller call screening or you didn't have you know, the capabilities that we bring. But that don't answer an unknown call. That's simple however it is also depriving you of opportunities if that's what you do and that's the same thing for texts you know we 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 do, we apply the same type of of rigor to to inbound text messages and then report them you know i think it's really important that if you if you have an inbound call within our application we allow you to block and report and comment on things that's really important And there are other, you know, if you suspect that you have been uh, defrauded or attempted to be defrauded, you know, law enforcement is a good place to start. There's forms on the FTC and FCC websites. You know, DOJ and state's attorney general are enforcing this. So it's just a matter of being vigilant. On the text messages, you know, people shouldn't click on links and text messages unless they know that it's coming from a code that they have seen before and that they trust because what will happen is of course some of those links will take you to a web page that looks just like Western Union or just like uber or some other you know big company and then they're off with your credentials right
1: and uh, and trust your spidey sense like if, if an organization is asking you to urgently confirm your personal details you know you should be suspect the government like the IRS or your bank or your favorite store they're not gonna ask you to quickly confirm your important information so just you know when in doubt contact the organization that's asking you this information with a number or an email address that you have separate from whatever is in that text message because it does sound like a, a smishing attack that you could easily avoid and also the old adage if it's too good to be true probably is <laughs> so trust your gut and then finally how much does true caller cost So Truecaller is free for the enhanced premium
3: services on iPhone. For example, it could be, you know, five to 10 bucks a month. All that information is in the app store. There's obviously, if you buy a year at a time for the premium services, then you get some discounts, but, but the apps are free. The Android app is is always free. There's a premium option for it. But going back to something you just said, the other thing I would recommend people don't think you're too smart to be scammed. Like we think, oh, that would never happen to me. And what I can tell you that I almost got scammed myself over the holidays by a text that was talking about a package delivery. Right. Because I was getting a lot of packages, right, from e-commerce sites. And it was so well done. And then I was I caught myself and I thought, oh, my gosh, You know, how many are going to fall for this in a moment of weakness? I hear you. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing that's really tragic about this, so I feel good about what we do at True caller because I do feel that we are protecting citizens and consumers. And, and the people who get defrauded often are the people who can least afford it.
1: Just hang up or ignore the call altogether or trust an app like Truecaller. Again, one word, you can find it at the App Store or Google Play. Clayton's been our guest. Thanks so much for your time, Clayton. Great to chat with you. All the best. Yeah, Mark. Hope to talk to you again in the future. Thank you so much. We learn all about Cadillac's upcoming and all-electric Escalade, as well as its Lyric vehicle, when we return on Tech It Out.
0: Want to follow Mark? Google him. Mark with a C and Saltzman with a Z. breaking down geek speak into street speak. This is Tech It Out. Tech It Out with technology columnist, author, and TV personality, Mark Saltzman. Welcome
1: back, everyone. You're listening to Tech It Out, powered by Intel Core Ultra PCs. Tech out this new breed of very smart and thin and light laptops at intel.com slash core ultra. That's intel.com slash core U-L-T-R-A. As promised, I was at the Canadian International Auto Show in Toronto last week and I recorded this interview with Cadillac. Well, it's an exciting time for Cadillac with several new vehicles on the horizon, or shall I say, coming down the road, many of which are electrified, therefore fusing Cadillac's hallmarks like design and luxury with technology and sustainability. Joining us from the 2024 Canadian International Auto Show, it is Media Day. So I'm here with Michael Stapleton. He's Director of Interior Design at Cadillac. He's uh, up in Toronto from Michigan for the CIAS to chat with us for a few minutes. Hi, Michael. Good to meet you in person, finally.
4: Yeah, good to meet you well, Mark. I'm a London boy, by the way, just for, you know, I know I'm coming from Detroit, but originally from London, Ontario.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. My son goes to Western, so uh, I heard you were Canadian and now uh, living not too far, I guess about three hours away outside of the Detroit area, I'm sure.
4: Yes, just outside of Detroit and Gross Point, and close enough that I can get back home when I need to.
1: Yeah, I think you use Super Cruise to, to drive to Toronto, so we're going to get to that in a moment. Before we talk about what's new from Escalade and Lyric, Optic and Vistic, please tell us a bit about your work in the EV or electric vehicle space at Cadillac. I understand you joined the organization a year ago.
4: Yeah, so I joined about a year ago and I was heavily focused on innovation before that. Coming into Cadillac makes a lot of sense because we are trying to push on innovation at Cadillac. Really want to be the tip of the spear when it comes to new technologies and then driving those new technologies into vehicles in a creative way that allows for looking forward as to how customers are going to use their cars in the future with new technologies that are coming not only from us, but from external sources and putting them all together within a luxury experience that'll give the Cadillac driver something that they won't be able to get somewhere else.
1: Yeah, and speaking of luxury and technology, as a techie, I'm a Cadillac owner and I'm excited to own a Lyric. One day soon, we'll get to the Lyric. But I think we should start with the Escalade IQ. I was fortunate to be at the official unveiling for that vehicle in New York last summer, and I understand it's here at the CIAS. I haven't seen it yet. So tell us a bit about this vehicle. I think there's a lot of buzz surrounding this particular truck.
4: Yeah, I mean, the Escalade is already an icon. And so to do more than that was a challenge for the design team. And if you look at the IQ, just the proportion of the exterior it feels different it looks different it just exudes luxury and that really carries over into the interior that 55 inch screen is very impactful for when you get in the car but what's really important about it is the way that it's integrated and so it's not just a large screen it's a large screen that's integrated into the instrument panel in a way like it could go nowhere else like it just fits perfectly it's curved too it is it's slightly curved it goes pillar to pillar it's got speakers on the outside you know there's a small wood ledge in front of it like it looks like a piece of furniture inlaid into an automobile and so that's the type of quality of execution quality of materials quality of experience that we're really striving for at Cadillac.
1: It's a beautiful vehicle, and again, it's teched out with the latest. like that infotainment system that's jaw-dropping, and it is an electric vehicle and really good range. It's got that Altium platform.
4: Yes, we're looking at about 450 miles or just over 700 kilometers.
1: Wow, all right. Again, that's the Cadillac IQ. There's a lot more to learn about that vehicle at Cadillac.com. But why don't we shift gears, pun intended, and now talk about the Lyric. So this is now available as a rear-wheel drive vehicle, but an all-wheel drive vehicle is coming as well. Also an electrified Cadillac.
4: Yeah. So the the Lyric's a beautiful vehicle in itself. And so some of the things that we talked about on Optic around the detailing, we've carried into the Lyric as well. So it is a luxury vehicle. It's smaller, obviously, but those luxury amenities are still what the customer is asking for. So when you get into that vehicle, there's a lot of subtle details in there that really set it apart. Just within the instrument panel alone, there's a push door that opens up and gives you a little bit of storage, but it's not just a storage area. It's also lined. You won't find much plastic on the inside of that Mm -hmm. car. Everything is wrapped and gorgeous. And this is a midsize SUV, right? A crossover? Yes, it is. And so lots of room in the back for your kids and or friends and still lots of room in the front seat as well.
1: Lyric, by the way, is spelled L-Y-R-I-Q. It is an electric vehicle and the range is over 300 miles, almost 500 kilometers, right?
4: Yes, just over 300 miles.
1: We are chatting with Michael Stapleton. He's director of Interior Design at Cadillac. I mentioned Super Cruise and how you leverage that technology to help drive from the Detroit area up to Toronto for the Canadian International Auto Show, where I'm chatting with you right now on Media Day, day one or day zero, actually. You know, for our listeners that have maybe heard the phrase Super Cruise but haven't yet experienced it, how do you best describe it and what makes it unique?
4: Yeah, so when you put Super Cruise and Adaptive Cruise together, it allows you to just relax in the car. And so you're still paying attention to what's going on, but the amount of work that that takes off of you while you're driving is really quite amazing. And it changes the experience that you have when you're behind the wheel. So I'm still... What that allows me to do is I can take my feet off the pedals. It holds me at a certain speed and a certain distance away from the car in front of me. With Super Cruise on, it also allows me to hold the lane. So it'll drive me, you know, almost all the way from Detroit to Toronto. Keeps me in the lane and keeps me at speed. But when I pawn a car that's going slower, it will actually change lanes for you and go around that car. And so what that does is it allows me to think about other things, to look out the window still paying attention to what's going on because we're not talking at a level 4 type of level yet, but it does take a lot of the workload off of you.
1: Yeah, you feel more refreshed after, you know, you come off of a long drive on a freeway or highway, so I like that a lot, and I know there was an announcement this week to expand the number of roadways that Super Cruise is available on. Before we wrap up, Michael, it's not here at Auto Show, but there have been uh, announcements for the Cadillac Optic, which serves as the entry point for Cadillac's EV lineup in North America, as well as the Cadillac Vistic, also ending in a queue, which will be Cadillac's midsize luxury EV. Can you tell us a bit about these new vehicles?
4: Yeah, both great vehicles. And so as I talked about how things are filtering their way from IQ into Lyric, we're also taking those features and then taking them into those two as well. The Optic being kind of an entry-level EV for us, a little bit smaller, very, very nimble car, super fun to drive with a lot of interior amenities and a lot of the same componentry that you're seeing in the Lyric will carry over. And then the same for Levistic, a little bit larger vehicle, gorgeous vehicle and all those interiors are a little bit different, but all within the Cadillac family, all with luxury amenities and all give you a little bit different experience for each.
1: And no out a premium one, which is one of the Cadillac's hallmarks. Finally, where can we learn more about these vehicles, including the ones that are here at the show and and other ones that are coming soon?
4: Yeah, I think you can go to Cadillac.com. Lots of stuff on our website to, to share with you.
1: Michael, great to chat with you. Thank you so much for your time and have a great show. Great. Thank you very much, Mark. Learn all about Google Gemini, its latest and free AI platform for you to play around with when we return on Tech It Out.
0: Breaking down geek speak into street speak. Check It Out hosted by Mark Saltzman.
1: Welcome back to Tech It Out. Before we get to our interview with Google to learn about its Gemini platform, a new AI tool that you can freely use, I want to give a shout out to Visa. We cover cybersecurity a lot on this program and how you can best protect yourself in the digital age, even if you're not super tech-savvy. One part of the solution is securely shopping online, and so I'm thrilled about my ongoing partnership with Visa on Tech It Out as they've made some significant investments in fraud prevention over the past 5 years. As much as $10 billion to support Visa's brand promise to protect the financial information of individuals and businesses alike. Zero liability means peace of mind when you shop online using your Visa card. There can be no half measures when it comes to cybersecurity, which is why the company takes an aggressive and multi-layered approach to combating the rising threat of malicious software and other threats by well-funded and global criminal enterprises. Read more about Visa and how securing the world's payments is priority one at visa.com security. That's simply visa.com forward slash security. If you haven't yet used any of the generative AI tools available online, you don't know what you're missing, as they can help you get more done in less time and can assist you in creating content. It's pretty wild. And Google, whom you already turn to for search and many other services like maps and videos and more, has officially launched Google Gemini, its generative AI program. Joining us to walk us through what Google Gemini is all about is Jules Walter, Group Product Manager of Gemini Experiences at Google. Welcome to the show, Jules. Good to chat with you. Uh, Thank you, Mark. It's great to be here. At a high level, what is Google Gemini? And I understand this was formally referred to as Google Bard for the past year while it was being developed. That's correct.
5: Yeah. As of last week, we changed the name to Gemini to sort of signal a new era for our
1: generative AI. So why don't we take a step back and just bring everybody up to speed about what Gen AI or generative AI is all about?
5: Yeah. So generative AI is one type of AI where you have language models, machine learning models that can really help generate content ideas and help you be more productive and creative. And BARD and now Gemini is one way of interacting with those generative AI models. Can you give us
1: some specific examples of what you can do with this?
5: Yeah. Initially, we launched BARD last year and it's gone through a lot of iterations and as of last week, we went through this Gemini rebranding phase, and it's been great to see how people are, have been using the product throughout the world. And there's many use cases that we've seen. For example, we've seen people use it to prepare for job interviews, you know, asking Gemini to role play what questions they might get in an interview and also getting feedback on the type of responses they would provide. We've seen uh, developers use it to generate code or debug code to increase their productivity. We've also seen people use it for brainstorming. For example, if you wanna come up with a new name for your business or a new business idea, or people using it on a daily basis to help them draft their communications, their emails, or social media posts. So there's really a wide range of things that people are using Gemini to collaborate with. And we're really excited that the model is really a state of the art and able to help people with these various
1: things. Awesome. I'm going to ask you, what do you think separates Google Gemini from other generative AI platforms? But before we move on, how do we access Google Gemini for those listening? Is it a website? Is it also an app or not yet? You can access it by
5: going to gemini.google.com on the web. We also last week started rolling out a mobile app, which is currently available in the US in English, and we're bringing it to other languages and, and locations very soon.
1: Even if you're on a mobile device, Jules, you can still go to gemini.google.com and interact with the platform, correct?
5: That's correct. Yeah. All
1: right. And so a key thing here is it is conversational. So you can go back and forth. It's unlike say a Google search where you look for one thing and then it gives you the results and then kind of you're left to your own devices at that point. But here it's like almost like you've got a really intelligent AI assistant that you can work with in order to get the content that you're looking for.
5: That's totally right. You know, it is fun to interact with on the generative AI. Also, you know, the vision here is to give people access to an assistant. Mm -hmm. As you sort of give Gemini context on what you're trying to achieve, it then provides responses and you can go back and forth and continue to to fine tune, to refine what, what you're trying to do. Right.
1: And what would you say, Jules, separates Google Gemini from other generative AI platforms like ChatGPT, for example?
5: Yeah, first of all, it's really exciting that We're at a point where there are many people working in this space. There's a vibrant ecosystem where users, consumers can have choice. And it's just been really exciting, at least from a personal point of view, to see the amount of progress in the space. Of course, it's a long game and we're in the early stages, even though we're seeing all these advances. What we've seen with Gemini specifically, so we have different models for Gemini, one of which is Gemini Ultra, our premium version. It's been leading the way on AI in many areas, uh, specifically when we look at the performance of Gemini Ultra versus you know, state of the art models, it exceeds state of the art models on 30 out of 32 benchmarks that we looked at. Oh, cool. And then in terms of you know, specific features, there are many of them, but there's two that I'll highlight just to give concrete examples. So one is we, we've invested into what we call extensions, which is basically how Gemini can connect with other tools like Google tools that you people use every day. For example, Gmail, Docs, Google Maps, YouTube, Google Flights and Hotels. Gemini can look for information across all these tools and services and then help you in what you're trying to achieve.
1: Love that. So it folds in YouTube and Gmail and Google Maps and more because it's all owned by Google. When we return more with Jules to chat about Google Gemini, including its image generation engine, stick with us. We'll be right back.
0: Follow Mark Saltzman on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Listen to Check It Out whenever you want.
1: We are chatting with Jules Walter. He's group product manager of Gemini Experiences at Google. This is Google's recently unveiled new AI or generative AI chatting platform. Very powerful. I asked you, Jules, about some of the differences between Gemini and the other Gen AI programs out there. And you started to talk about extensions, leveraging Google's own existing services that we all know and love, like Gmail and Google Maps and YouTube and all that, in order to give you the results you want and display it for you. There's also an Another key differentiator, and I believe it's called double check. Can you tell us about that?
5: Yeah, absolutely, Mar. So we've double checked. What we're seeing is a quarter of Gemini usage is for research-like purposes. And one of the things about generative AI is you want to double check uh, factual information because the model really just generates responses. Uh, and you want to be confident in the information that, that you read from the model, so that's why we've invested in, in this capability called Double Check. And what it does is when Gemini gives you a response, you can scroll to the bottom of the response. You can click on the G icon, which then calls Double Check, and it highlights parts of the response to give you context on how much confidence you should have in, in that section of the response. And in the background, Gemini looks at web pages and content from the web and sees whether they substantiate what the model was saying or whether it doesn't. And that gives you context. And it also links to sources so that you can go in yourself and and go deeper to see where these statements are coming from. So it's really one step for us to allow consumers to have choice and control. When it comes to how they make sense of information and verify information.
1: Can we pivot and talk about using Google Gemini to generate an image for you? And is that part of the free service? So can you give us maybe an example of how that works and how long it takes to see an image that you've with text described what Google should create for you?
5: yeah absolutely our gemini models allow consumers to create images including you know our free version gemini pro it's a service right now that you can currently use in english which means you'd have to write the prompt the instructions in english but very soon we'll enable it into other languages and the way it works is gemini is powered by a image generation model called image n2 as a user you come into gemini.google.com you write a prompt for example generate a mouth-watering image of poutine you know that i can use for my new restaurant website
1: i like my poutine <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm glad it, it touches a chord there's nothing wrong with fries and gravy and cheese curds are you kidding
5: you know and just to make it even more concrete like a few days ago it was my friend's birthday and i asked gemini to create an image to say happy birthday to her and then i give some background on on, on her saying she's indian and and so on, and to create an image that you know, and I describe her personality a little bit, and then Gemini created a an image, and then I just use my phone, sent it to her, and I was like, "Hey, happy birthday!" And she was like, "Oh my god!" You know, yeah, like,
1: that's so cool. And it, it's free to use. Like, let's say I do have a website, a small business, and I want to ask Google Gemini to create a piece of art.
5: So Gemini, it is free to use, so people can go in and then, wow, yeah, submit the prompts, yeah, and that's what we've optimized it for is basically make it affordable and also like. But yeah.
1: Awesome. Before we wrap up, Jules, let's talk a bit about the differences between Gemini Pro, which is, I think, the basic free version. And then there's, is it Gemini Advanced or Gemini Ultra?
5: Yeah. So there's Gemini Pro and Advanced. And Advanced has a model that we call Ultra 1.0.
1: So Ultra is part of Gemini Advanced. That's right. And that's the subscription-based version.
5: Yeah, it it is a subscription-based version. It is our premium experience. Gemini Advanced is... More capable, especially at highly complex tasks, coding, logical reasoning, following nuanced instructions. Mm-hmm. You say so you're a business owner, you're trying to do work, or a developer, and so on. And the good news is, it's part of a a subscription plan that we call the Premium Google One subscription plan. And so you get Gemini Advanced, and you also get You know, two terabytes of storage and other benefits, it's roughly $20 per month. And at this point right now, we're offering a two-month trial at no cost to people, so people can just go in and try Gemini Advanced for two months on us. And the best place to get started is gemini.google.com.
1: Okay, gemini.google.com. Our guest has been Jules Walter from Google to talk with us about Gemini experiences. Congratulations on the formal launch of Google Gemini, formerly Barred. Very exciting times. Thank you for carving out some time to talk. Thanks again, Jules. Thank you, Mark. And thank you to Intel for your support on Tech It Out. Intel Core Ultra PCs power the next generation of laptops. Speaking of laptops, don't forget to back up your important files on a regular basis at the risk of sounding preachy. Maybe set it up to automatically do it every night, you know, at 2 or 3 a.m. when you're not using your laptop, perhaps, to protect your files. You can do so with inexpensive drives from SanDisk or Western Digital hard drives. WesternDigital.com has more. Thank you for tuning in to Tech It Out, everyone. Have a fantastic rest of your day. And I look forward to catching up with you next week for another episode of Tech It Out. Bye bye for now.